I'm not sure if you saw Matt Wade's report in the nine papers. He says the hit to well-being in Australia caused by increased mental illness during COVID lockdowns has so far cost more than $13,000 million, $13 billion, according to new modelling. A special edition of the Herald Age Lateral Economics Wellbeing Index estimates the pandemic-induced lockdowns of 2020 and 2021 resulted in a six-percentage-point increase in mental illness. Just over half of the $13.3 billion wellbeing cost attributed to that spike was felt in Victoria. Due to its multiple lockdowns, almost a third of that cost was in New South Wales. Now, we've been talking about this a lot during uh, the pandemic and especially during the lockdowns. People reporting harm suffered by folks in relation to their mental health, particularly young Australians. So I don't know what you think about this, but it it seems to me that, well, I, I actually expected it to be a little bit higher. But the fact it is where it is, is of great concern. As I mentioned, the Lateral Economics Wellbeing Index uh, has been produced a special edition in the ha- in the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. And on the line to have a chat to me about this is Lateral Economics CEO and Index author Nicholas Gruen. Nicholas, welcome to the program. I hope you're well. G'day, Luke. I am pleased to say that I'm thoroughly COVID-free and triple-vaxxed uh, and hoping I will remain COVID-free. Hmm. Well, I'm exactly where you are, except my <laughs> my third vax I get on uh, on Thursday afternoon. But I I've see. been able to, uh, been able to avoid it so far, and I want to keep yeah. it that way if yeah, I possibly can. Well, one absolutely. of the things one of the things noted is um, is schooling standards and how yep. they've been affected. Can you tell us how they've been affected? Yeah. So we have a system in Australia. Most people have heard of NAPLAN, standardised testing, and if you use that as a measure. The, uh, the performance of Australian students on that plan has fallen now. It's actually been pretty unimpressive for about a decade or more now, and uh, it continued its uh, unimpressive run and fell. Uh, the, it fell by 0.4%. And what we do, so what this index we produce is that a lot of people complain that GDP is all very well as a measure of economic well-being, but there's other aspects to our lives than than adding up the dollars and cents. So we try to build that into a bigger, richer GDP, and we end up with with this slightly odd thing, which is that we express these things in dollars and cents, even though when someone's mentally ill or enjoying or not enjoying their teaching, they're not thinking of it as, as dollars and cents. But Everyone can understand that. In fact, I'll tell you now that the skills in um, the skills that Australians have are worth about three times as much to the Australian economy as all the buildings and all the plant and all the equipment in all the economy. In other words, that's really the engine room of our incredibly high level of productivity, and therefore, if uh, the quality of our schooling falls, that means big big dollars in terms of lower skills in the economy and lower productivity over yes. time. Yes. And the result is, so, so our measure of 
the fall in the quality of schooling in this period generates a loss of about $1.7 billion in the school children of Australia getting less good education and probably about the same amount for people after school uh, not being able to attend, uh, not being able to attend tuition and so on. Yeah, that is, um, that's absolutely fascinating. So if we take the, the, the physical worth of, uh, of the buildings and, and the machinery and whatever it might be uh, used in, in uh, Endeavour, enter, Enterprise Endeavour, uh, you you say that the value of human knowledge, I guess, slash experience, uh, yep. capability, is yep. is worth an ability times. to cooperate, an ability to cooperate, an ability to persevere, an ability to get gotcha, you know, gotcha. to have a headache and still think, oh well, I better keep doing just what you were saying to me gotcha. before Resilience we got on air, is, which is at yes. least I've got a job, you know, all that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're all skills. Uh, they're and, called non-cognitive skills by us, right. us boffins, but uh, and, they're all and, and skills they were, and they all matter. And they're worth three times the value of um, yep. of the other. Th- wow. Yep. Wow. They're, they're what matter. They're what matter. Uh, you know, uh, wh- ask yourself next time you go to the doctor whether you yep. care that much about the building uh, or the chairs or the stethoscope Correct. or whether you care a little more about whether Absolutely. this doctor has had a good education and is... Uh, and is in good practice, as it were. Yeah. This leads to a fascinating conversation, Nicholas, about, you see, one of the things that irritates me as a commentator is the um, our, our ability to dismiss uh, older Australians who, mm-hmm. who have all those things we spoke about, but because mm-hmm. of a number on a birth certificate, their mm-hmm. ability to participate in the economy as a worker Mm-hmm. Um, is is well, it often dissipates to nothing in favour of someone yep. younger. Yeah. If if we could harness that, you'd you'd have to think that, my God, the value of the, of of that human um, capital you're talking about would be yep. enhanced. That's probably a, a a different topic, but I I feel really strongly well, about that. Well, it's a related one. It's a related right. one. At least, I mean, the other thing you raised early on in this interview is this idea of younger people and one of the things that COVID has done and and this I don't want to suggest this is some sort of terrible conspiracy because yeah people were making incredibly difficult decisions but the fact is that those decisions were made for the benefit of people of my age not of people in their 20s and they're the ones who have suffered most uh, now as I say I'm not arguing that we shouldn't have had lockdowns or any of that stuff but but there've been a whole bunch of these things. <laughs> House prices. Uh, I mean, the world is just massively different now for somebody mm. who's twenty than it was when I was twenty, yeah, and it's almost too. all worse. And yeah. uh, that's a that's a uh, that's a huge thing. Uh, that that's a huge thing, and it uh, sort of colours our life. Yeah, I, I agree. So that that foregone one point seven billion in human capital development in school aged children. Does that then uh, multiply over the life of those those young well, people? It's a net that pres- it, yeah. uh, well, it sort of does. It's a net present value figure, which means that it's, a, it's an attempt to measure in a single number the effect on the earning capacity of this person over time. It's also, I think, something that can be got back if people right. have the support and the intention to go out and get it back. But... Uh, 
but anyway, it certainly helps to crystallise what's at stake. One, so one thing this this report today, and and one thing um, your contribution does add is, well, we've had this, and and I've had uh, hundreds of talkback callers, Nicholas, over the period yep. who've said to me, oh, you know, the effect of my kids has been, and all you can do is give them a sympathetic ear, not really knowing. But but finally, we're starting, aren't we, through measures like this to get some real sense of, of, of what that means. I don't know how we recover from this. I, I heard yeah. what you said before about being able to re or further educate others to, to play catch-up, but the, the human cost brought on by mental illness, which mm. can't probably be rectified by reading a textbook or going to Absolutely, extra yeah. extra classes... Mate, yep. that's got to be a, a real problem, does it not? I, I think that's right. I think that's right. And we, we, this is one of the things. So, so when we built this index, we are now there are lots of things that are not in GDP that are not in the economic stats um, mm. that 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 we didn't put in the index because they 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 weren't our test for putting something in the index was. Is it big? Does it affect a lot of people? And does it have a big impact on their lives? And anxiety and depression is one of those things. It's it's not uncommon and it has a big impact on people's experienced well-being. And uh, now we and and so this has uh, so this has kicked that figure up. But guess so our economy. The size of our economy is measured by GDP is about $2 trillion a year. That's yep. uh, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, no. the, think of what the what do you think the cost of mental illness or just uh, things like anxiety and depression on people's experienced well-being is in the Australian economy? Give me a guess. Um, well, I do a little bit of work here only because I, I, I think it's so very important. So it would have to be mm. in the... In the many billions, would that yeah, be close? Two hundred and two hundred and twenty-five billion dollars. So, wow. so, so, so the way we me- let me tell you how that's measured. So you yep. think of somebody, you think of someone you know who has sufficiently bad anxiety or depression that they have to think about going and seeing a counsellor and so on. And yep. then you ask yourself the question: How much money would I have to pay them to get them to report on a questionnaire that they? Feel, you know, that they feel fairly normal. In other words, so what happens is these surveys say, how do you feel about your life from zero to 10? And most people mm-hmm. say about seven and a half. And people who are depressed and anxious say about seven. So how much, so the question is, so one way to say, how much is this worth? And of course, I'm not trying to tell anyone out there that this is how to think about mental illness, but yes. it is how to try and think about how much it should be prioritised in terms of policy and how much money it might be worth spending on trying to address it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how much... And, and so every one of these people, you need to pay them about $25,000 a year more in order to get their well-being back up to where it would be yes. if they weren't de- depressed and anxious. So, again, it's a different... It, it, the other good thing about this, I think, is it gives us a whole different way to think about our economy and think about how we're going and if there are ways i could talk to you on another occasion if you like about ways we might be able to make our workplaces um better places to work um then they might have very large benefits which don't turn up as dollars and cents 
they turn up as happier, more satisfied people, people who are less likely to do the wrong thing, people who've got happier kids, happier spouses, and so on and so forth. Mm, mm. We will have that conversation. Uh, I want to ask you about this. Uh, you you yep. talked about those that suffer from mental illness and the hand doesn't yep. go straight up in the air. And and the other very obvious health problem here is obesity. Yep. Uh, we must have, without being disrespectful to anyone suffering, we mm. must have uh, the vast majority of those people suffering untreated. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Um, it's 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 um, yeah, it's a difficult thing to work out exactly how it should be treated. It's a it's a very you know I think it it's gone from it's gone from about twenty people who are substantially. I mean I don't even like using the word obese, but they're more than a bit overweight. Lots of people mm. are a bit overweight, but the people who are uh, sort of a little troublingly overweight has gone from about 27% of our population to over 30 between 2000. I think this is, I think these numbers are right from 2014 to 2018. So it's a fast growing problem and it's a, it's extremely costly because people in that situation feel worse about themselves um, and are generally, yeah, they're, they're just, they're not, functioning as well as they could no, be correct. and that has big and that has big costs mostly for them mostly in the sense of their own sense of, of worth and well-being and so on and uh, yeah. yeah there are there are things that there are things that we could do but but it's not uh, it's not easy it's not easy and you can't just no. spend some money and crank a handle um, and solve those problems yeah one of the things you mentioned there and I, I think this will uh, be a fascinating measure of us as uh, a people in, in level in, in two ways. One, our prepared our preparedness to be engaged in um, you know corporate Australia or you know the the Australia that produces stuff and engages with us, and mm. um, and 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 there's that and the ability to accept that things need to be different. I, I reckon if we if we don't learn a heap of stuff and we don't have yep. governments who are prepared to say you know what, this happened, it can't happen again, and then just maybe change the... It's not easy to, to change the direction of a big ship like, um, you know, HMAS Australia, whatever we want to call it, but mm. do you think there is the, and I'll, I'll say intestinal fortitude, the preparedness to stare down the anti-campaigns, etc., etc., in the Australian body politic to come out of this and say, right, love you like brothers and sisters, but... You know, we've got to do things differently. Do you think that'll happen or it'll just fizzle out at one point, COVID, and we'll just say, oh, yeah, remember that and get on with the way it used to be? Gee, it's a mistake in my view if we do that. Well, yeah, I'm afraid I'm fairly pessimistic. Um, it's a uh, democracy. And the fact is that the way you win in a democracy is you get all the people who don't like your opponents and you put together a misleading... <laughs> campaign and i say this with i'm on a very level playing field with most of these uh with most of the um uh, you know i'm not making a party political point there but that happens no. to be if you're in the game of let's use the word manipulating people to try and get them to vote for you you do, you you might tell them you've got this great vision of australia but you, you that's not what you do when you're campaigning you denigrate the other side you misrepresent the other side and you systematically don't don't own up 
to the things that the government will have to do, whether it's you or your opponents will get in. Uh, you say it's all going to be rosy under me. And then if you lose, the government get uh, that your opponents have to do it. And you say, well, we would never have done those things. And so on, it goes the other way. Um, in fact, if you want to, again, I've been inviting you to talk about some other things that, uh, you know, on other occasions, but I think that one of the things that could make a big difference to this is if we had something like, uh, if we had some element in our politics, a bit like juries in law, which is ordinary people um, who are brought together to examine issues, which unfortunately we expect them to vote on without knowing much about stuff. And it's not really in their interest to know much about it because their singular vote is going to make almost no difference to the to, mm. to, to what goes on. So, yeah, we, right, we, yeah. We, we, will, we will have a subsequent conversation because <laughs> I think... Uh, I think recall elections to allow the pollies to think that it's not set and forget for three or four years. And I also like citizen-initiated referenda, um, mm -hmm. obviously very big in parts of Europe and in parts of America. Probably need yeah. a bit of a, uh, a tweak, but could be uh, could be really interesting in, uh, in our system here. Right, yep. Well, I tell you what we're going right. to do. Let's find time to have a chat next week. But right. for now, Nicholas Gruen, what a fascinating conversation. Thank you for chatting to us. And we will talk very soon into the future. Stay well. Thanks, Luke.